Hello and welcome to Graduate Theory, where we bring you tips so you can have a successful and fulfilling career. Today's guest has a very unique story. After finishing university, he has his own podcast, he's run a non-profit in Nepal, and he started a real estate business. He recently co-authored a book called 18 and Lost, highlighting the different paths that people take after leaving school. And if that wasn't enough, he also co-found a community called The Constant Student, which is all about bringing passionate people together to work on projects. This guy is someone that I really admire and was the inspiration behind me starting this podcast. I'm really excited for this episode with Joe Weeby. On this episode, we speak about all things related to networking, all about your personal brand and how thinking about depth can bring you clarity. Joe is a really good friend of mine, and I can't wait for you to listen to this episode. So please enjoy. You're listening to the Graduate Theory Podcast, where we never stop learning because life never stops teaching. Now, here's your host, James Fricker. Hello, and welcome to Graduate Theory. Please welcome to the show, Joe Weedy. Thanks very much, James. Good to be here. Yeah, it's fantastic to have you on, mate. You're certainly someone that, that I look up to and someone that's really inspired uh, the creation of this podcast. So it's very cool to have you on uh, and, and hear your insights because you're certainly very knowledgeable. We've done a lot of things. So looking forward to that. One thing I want to start off with is yep. the book that's just come out, 18 and Lost, fantastic achievement. I want to ask about the name or the, the blurb on the back, Seth Godin uh-huh. is on there. So I want to ask, just we can talk about the book and all that stuff, but I want to start with, there it is there, perfect. I want to start with... Always going to have it close by, mate. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. I want to start with like, how did you get this guy on the back? What was your kind of process? What's the whole story behind this? Because it, it is quite cool to have him on the back there. Yeah, yeah, it is It is very cool. Yeah, very lucky, um, very lucky. But it wasn't accidental, obviously, too. And I don't have a personal relationship with him. But for anyone who's not familiar with him, Seth Godin is very prominent as a thought leader in marketing, in education, in like post-industrial kind of world and careers and work. And written like 20 best-selling books, started a bunch of kind of cool companies. Has a very kind of clear and, and meaningful message. So that's who he is, if anyone hasn't heard of him. And yeah, and I guess we got it. I did a, a course at the organization that he co-founded. They co-founded a thing called the Old MBA and then this other organization, Akimbo, evolved around it, I believe. Mm. And it's like very alternative education uh, company. And I did a course there and I did the course thing, you know, I'd meet great people and I knew that the people like him were behind it. So I figured mm. there's lots of relationships to actually be had with this organization beyond just like learning some good stuff in, in the one week course it was called the emerging leaders program mm. is that if I hadn't done it, I wouldn't have met you. Yeah. Like I met Liam who's a mutual friend of ours mm. and collaborator and that's how I met you. So there you go. And yeah, in the same way I, I knew we were working on the book cause I cared about education at the time going into it and I was curious to see how they did things. So it was a learning opportunity for me in that sense, like the model they did. Mm. And then I just, knew that, yeah, they have so many people in their community that are like useful. Like I knew that going in. So I was like, I always planned to do the course and then see what it was like and then add value to their organization where I could. And that was like, I did, I hosted catch up calls after, gave a lot of feedback, a lot of generous feedback, obviously stayed in touch with people there. And in the end, just I had good contacts at the organization and I explained to them, they knew about the book and I explained to them the mission and why I thought because it was in education that 
someone like Seth's endorsement would go a long mm. way, help us like catalyze the book journey. Like endorsement like that doesn't really sell books necessarily. Mm. It's not like people hear about that and then they come find the book. Not really, mm. but it helps like it, the credibility helps a lot. And it was also just, like really nice because we did it with a group of people. Yeah. Yeah. But that was basically like the process. And I don't know if everyone's now going to go start doing a bunch of akimbo courses yeah. now that I've <laughs> said that. Maybe they will. But, but yeah, also just got very lucky because yeah. there's no incentive. Sorry, not no incentive, but no guarantee. And that's why I was very strategic about that, obviously, mm. but you were like being genuine along the way is like integral. Like I just genuinely enjoyed, I got so much out of it, mm. like how I met you and everything. Yeah, like, yeah. Again, that was one of the beautiful things that came out of that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. No, that's a super interesting story. How you, I guess it's like those things where you do one thing. It's like that stuff you talk about with the doors, right? It's like yeah, this kind yeah. of doing this course opens up opportunities that maybe you didn't expect when, or maybe you did expect when you first signed up, right? Yeah, well, suspect, maybe. I suspected. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. No, yeah. That's cool. You can't really know. No, definitely. And that's why I think if I was just trying to do the whole thing, oh, you know, I know that guy's in that company or they know people mm. and I'm only going to do it for that reason, then there's a bit of risk in that because if it doesn't come off, mm. then whatever you put into whatever effort you put in, yeah, maybe unless you learn something, it's, but if you, yeah, you get a lot out of the experiences you do and they help you kind of meet people who can move what you care about doing further. Mm. That's, that's what I concentrate on because it's very holistic. You get a lot out of it, not just like gunning for that one thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, interesting. Yeah. I agree there. And I think that's cool. A good point about the genuineness of asking something like that and being involved. You, you joined the course cause you wanted to get value. And then like this, these kind of things come out almost not as the real reason why you joined, but it's an extra effect afterwards. Yeah. I think the whole idea really is like, you want to be in rooms with like great people. Mm. That's what I've learned. Like I just, I've, I really, I rarely used to take up things like that when I was a bit younger, mm. like things like that experience. And it's not always the right time. And like the theme of this podcast, right? The name is pretty indicative. Mm. So for people who are like early career in the, maybe in the gap between finishing and getting into the workforce, mm. if that's the average listener, there's, um, there's this, it's very different to position. Maybe I'm in now where I have specific things that are my focus, like, uh, education. I work on things that are like relate to education and careers. And mm. so I like, it's, it's deliberate, but then it, it always makes sense to being the good rooms with people who also care about that and being able to like find more people who, who like agree and align with what you care about is always like useful. Like you just don't know in the few, three years later, five years later, ten, you don't know like when, mm something will happen. Like a relationship is such a good investment. And I knew that I was going to get a lot of relationships out of it. That's what attracted me to it. Mm. And that was probably one of them was like, that's a, that's like a moonshot that they did Seth Godin and very lucky he helped. Cause I didn't speak to him. It was all through the yeah, community yeah. and stuff. But in general, just, I got so many great relationships out of it. So I knew I was going to get that for myself. But also the concept of adding value. If I'm in there adding value, being genuine, they're going to get something out of me. And so it's mutual and it's not like mutually exclusive. Like you can just reciprocal, like you can both, it should always be two ways. Like it's actually a really obvious idea. Yeah. Yeah. I <laughs> like feel get like, something out yeah. of it for yourself, but also make sure <laughs> they get something out of it too. Leave everyone better off for having talked to you and mm -hmm. you'll get a lot back too. And that's, that's really my approach to everything. Mm. And it, so far, it really, it moves things faster, like things I care about.
Yeah, yeah. it's interesting to, to think about. No, that's cool. Because, yeah, I, I feel like particularly with networking and stuff like that, I was thinking about this today that sometimes when people are like, oh, you've got to go out there and network with people, it's, you're trying to almost trick them to become friends with you so you can ask a favor yeah. and then like, and then just word, leave right? them. yeah, you're trying to get up this yeah. ladder of who you know and just so you can be like yeah. the winner at the end sort of thing. Um, yeah, exactly. Whereas it's when it comes from that kind of place, I think it's easy to, it's easy to spot almost when someone's trying to like use you just for like to get a favor and they're not offering anything. And it's much easier to, to be like friends with someone when they're helping you and you're helping each other. And it's just like much more natural that way. It, it really is. It's not always easy too. like networking. I heard a podcast as a podcast I listened to the other week and there was the guy had someone on and he's, Oh, you're the gun at networking. Mm. And then the guy says, don't call me that. He yeah. goes, everyone hates that word. <laughs> and I, don't, I don't think of it that way. Yeah. And like networking has connotations, mm. like different people will think different things when they hear the word networking. Yeah. But like stripping it back, the fundamentals of like people are the ultimate kind of resource is like at the core of it for me. Mm. People are the ultimate resource is what I strip it back to. Mm. And honestly, I'll just be honest. Like, so I've told you the story about that example and, and like my approach always trying to be very add value and all that. Yeah. But that, I definitely think I look at if I'm on Twitter or something like that, where I hear a name or I definitely think, oh damn, if I knew that person, I could be able to do this. Mm. Like I could get the message out better. Or I could get the book out better. Like it's hard to switch that off. It's actually pretty human. I'll be very honest that those thoughts, I definitely have those thoughts, mm. but it's funny that then, you know, you start moving towards, all right, you start to be strategic about how could I get in touch with it? And then it's, ah, oh, I'd have to create value for them. Yeah. And so you're always reminded. And I think as long as your actions, you are your actions, not your thoughts. Mm. So as long as you like come back to a healthy way of doing it. And again, like you said, the filter is, and the feedback loop is like, you almost don't have a choice because it's actually really hard to get things by being yeah. transactional. <laughs> you want to call yeah. it that like transactional is like just exchange for goods. Like you don't need to love the baker, the local baker. Mm. They're just happy. If you give them money, they're happy to give you bread. Mm. Like it, it, it's transactional. It doesn't have to be a good relationship, but, but it can be. So like when it's transactional, like people know, and it's like a Tinder, yeah. is, it, is it like a transactional thing? Is it a hookup? Is it an exchange of goods or is it like genuine? And like, you can't ask for too much too soon in a dating interaction, you got to break it down into steps. They're not ready to marry you or, or anything like when someone meets you straight away. So if you just cold suggest to people that you have this kind of deep relationship or, or mm. whatever, and, and they get bombarded with requests like that, then it's just, you just get ignored. Mm. Whereas if you break it down into steps and, and meet people where they're at and say, like, all right, what would interest someone like this right now? Or what's something simple that they can say yes to. And that's like, that's opening the door then it's very much similar to that. It's so easy to leverage people and leverage can be a dirty word too, like mm, networking. Yeah. It's so easy to kind of get great advantage and resources out of people mm. who you have a relationship with. And it doesn't have to be an exchange because you're friends. Yeah. And cause like you mentioned my real estate experience and even in real estate, cause like any business, mm. you get people happy to refer clients gold because you don't have to pay people necessarily to refer you clients. Mm. Like it's gold word of mouth and referral partnerships. And just what I found doing that is like the people who really ended up giving me business were great friends. Mm. I became great friends with them. The ones who like we weren't really that tight with, 
and we just didn't align, then it was like never as effective because yeah. like you like someone, you also have trust with them mm. and trust is like really important when you're handing over someone. Yeah. You know, I don't need, I don't need to be paid for the, I just look after them. If you make an introduction to someone, all right, just be respectful to that person, things like that. And yeah, so I just, things, things like that are really, it's like, it's just what I learned through experience is like the ultimately, like the most productive relationships you have, you actually just end up getting along really well with them. Mm. That's what actually makes it sticky. Yeah. In the same way you can ask a friend for something you can't ask a stranger for because you have a relationship, mm. but then online, the online world kind of dilutes that a little bit. And sometimes we forget, but it all comes down to like genuine relationships and genuine relationship building. Yeah. No, that's so cool. I think that, that, that's a great point because, yeah, you can't be – it's like what you were saying about the relationships. Like you're not going to ask someone like to get married on the first day. Whereas, and once you get along and you both like each other, then it's now we can start to ask more things and we can do more stuff together. Yeah. I think it, like, there's, there's many like business and networking, whatever, parallels, I think, between dating yeah. and – and yeah, and real life. Yeah. So that, um, yeah, I think that was a great example. One thing we, we spoke about before the podcast was of Adam Grant's book. And you were talking about this idea where there's three you know types of people in networking or in friendships or whatever. There's kind of givers and takers and, and things like that. Could you elaborate on that a bit further? Yeah, I'd love to. <laughs> yeah. The book Give and Take by Adam Grant that you mentioned, I thought was really good. Lined with a lot of things I've thought and written about too which is why I loved it. And he talked about givers, matches, and takers, as you said. So takers are always what's in it for me. So that's like, there always has to be something in it for me. That's really obvious for me to be willing to help. So for example, if you said to me, present example, like, uh, Joe, come on the podcast. If I was a taker and I couldn't see anything clear in it for me, am I going to get more clients? Am I going to get more leads? Am I going to get more exposure. All right. Am I going to get some of those things? All right. Yeah. All right. I'll come on like a taker is, and they're trying to take the full value they can out of you without little regard for what goes in the other direction. Mm. So it's like, I don't really care about like this James guy. I'm just like, whatever, if I can go on there, get some more credibility with business client, whatever mm. matches are like traders, like has to be an even exchange of value in both directions. And obviously like pretty like at the same time, Mm. So we're doing some promotion for the book at the moment yeah, and yeah. a guy the other day going, go to me, um, like I, someone introduced me to him. He has a podcast. I thought, all right, can we have a conversation? This is what I care about. It's what I'm trying to do. Mm. And he said, all right, you can come on my podcast, but I see you have a podcast too. And then maybe I can come on your podcast. So that's like a matcher. Mm. Like, all right, I'll let you come on mine if I can come on yours. Mm. And I was like, actually my podcast is solo. Like I don't do guests, unfortunately. Mm. So I won't be able to do that. Yeah. And he goes, oh. And he goes, my podcast is slowing down at the moment anyway. Oh, wow. so like, I can do it, but I'll send you the audio to edit or something. And I was yeah. like, no, nah, mate, not interested. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, yeah. that's an example of matcha, right? Mm. It has to go even in exchange. Mm. And it has to happen at that point in time, mainly. And then third is givers. And givers are like, all right, here, I'll come on the podcast. Or I'll introduce you to this person. Without a really obvious or tangible thing to come back. If I know someone who could be an incredible guest here that might not respond to you directly, I can just introduce them to you. 
and be like, but what's in that for Joe? How does James podcast relate to me and all that? That's the thing. I think we're all, everyone's benefit is linked to everyone else in the big picture, but people don't really think about it. So the, even the giver thing, I, it's probably not too different to the others as we think, but yeah, it's generally like a, a generosity that seems unattached to anything coming back. No expectation of it being repaid, the giving and but also not selfless, not completely like being a doormat and letting people walk over you. There's like the selfless giver and then there's the kind of pra pragmatic giver, which is, like, yeah, yeah, I can give this or I can't do a week of podcasts with you, James. I've got a busy week. Like at the end of the day, I've got to protect some stuff that I've got to, yeah. yeah. So that's the traditional concept of givers in that book. But the fascinating thing I think about is really if you expand your thinking and you think long term and you think very broadly, normally like other people's advantages become your advantages too. Mm. Right. So part of the context is, right, you're a member of our community, right, the constant student. And the better you go, like the more people can understand, oh, wow, there's, there are communities out there that you can tap into that will help you just bounce things off and help you get set up with a project or anything like that. And then that is good. And then that's the kind of world I want to live in where mm -hmm. people do that. And also I, it's very enjoyable and meaningful to like contribute to someone has like direction and stuff like that and ambition and a dream or, or anything like that just across the board very meaningful to so i do get something out of it anyway if mm. you help if i help someone like that and i know that people have felt the same way about me so even though the giver thing is almost a bit tricky because it's actually it's it's almost like just the the uh, probably what changes is like the delay or how clearly you can relate the benefit received by the giver mm. to like the gift given by the giver yeah I don't know if that makes sense, but I gave, no. gave it my best shot. And <laughs> no, yeah, see, that philosophy makes all my behaviors make sense. Because yeah. it's actually, we're all rising tide lifts all boats. Mm. Like we all have aligned interests. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I've heard that like similar thing, like with the giving, even just as a kind of business idea, like I know Gary V's had that book called yeah. uh, Jab, Jab, Right Hook or something. It's something like that. Yeah. And, yeah, and yeah. it's a lot yeah, of yeah. businesses do that, like, whether it's on social media or whatever, where they like just give you like free videos on YouTube or like free content about this topic or whatever to develop the relationship. And then that has, there's no expectation of a return with those. Like they're not expecting you to come and donate the money like afterwards. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But they are secretly hoping, I guess, that when they actually do release something that you like care about them and you're invested in what they're doing enough so that you'll go and buy their course or, you know, sign up to whatever yeah. it might be. The other thing with that, you come back to dating and say, oh, would you like to go on six dates with me? Mm. You know, if you say that to someone, they're like, do I want to go on six dates with this guy? I'm not sure if I want to do that. But you go, all right, you want to go on one date? No expectations of a second, third or fourth. You're like, mm. oh yeah, I can commit to that. Mm. And so what that strategy does, inbound marketing and all that sort of stuff, is it just, it's that what is what relationship building is. It's breaking things down to a small enough step that someone can commit to. If it's a, if it's a, um, significant person, like in the business world or something that you're trying to get in touch with, mm. almost like giving them a LinkedIn message or an email that they can just reply to that they would reply to mm. is almost like a great first step. It's almost better than having nothing yeah, and yeah. sending them like a big pitch and a dump. That's interesting to think about. And even with those, even the ones you're talking about, even the people like, yeah, I'm sure they do hope that they pay, but even the ones that don't end up paying, they probably still spread yeah. awareness mm. of that person's brand. Mm. Like, Hey, Seth Godin or Gary V has this free video, YouTube video. I just send you the YouTube video 
and you've never heard of Gary Vee before, you're now aware of him and you've got a relationship with him. It's familiarity. How often do you land on a website and spend a thousand dollars with someone you've never heard of, a product you've never heard of? Mm. Not that often, but if you've heard of them before and stuff like that, you've got that familiarity, then, oh, you're more likely to buy oh, yeah, Gary V. Like I see that guy everywhere. He must, I'll buy his course or whatever, or I'll pay him to be my media marketing manager, whatever. And again, you come back to relationships. It's the same thing. Like mm. you see someone around a lot. You have a couple of touch points with them. Build, it builds trust. Yeah, definitely. I think that's super cool. And I think even myself, I've, you can relate it. Let's say you're personal brand like is how not only are you perceived in in person or whatever like or, or online on you maybe you have your own personal instagram for like business related stuff or whatever maybe you have your own website mm. but your personal brand mm. is also how you interact with people what do you like when you go and watch the footy at someone's house or stuff like that oh, so like agree. this kind of giving thing is not just for like when you're trying to network with someone or like online advice or like even in your in a business like offering value by like releasing content or whatever. Yeah. It's definitely about, you know, this person said they were interested in coming along to this event that I've previously been to. Let's connect them with the organizer mm. or things like that. That you can really like positively impact people. Yeah. Majorly. Like I believe the one, the way you do one thing is the way you do everything. And I noticed that in so many ways, I like even when I look at people I play soccer with and like, I realized the similarities between maybe how they play soccer. Cause a lot of them are school friends or my brothers. And I notice similarities between the way they play soccer and the way they like their work ethic and everything like that. And it's hard to switch things on and off mm. and it's very hard to do it for a long time. So it's funny, even though networking can be a dirty word, it's what I'm happy to use because every conclusion I think of every time I think about it, the way to do it most effectively is just at the end of the day, <laughs> become a better person. Yeah. Holistically. Yeah, definitely. One of the mm. cleverest books of all time is obviously How to Win Friends and Influence People mm. for that reason. The title is, ooh, how do you get all these dirty tricks and yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah, get, get, get your way, yeah. get people yeah. to do your way. And then not to spoil the book, the whole premise of the book is, oh, unfortunately, you got to be genuinely interested in them yeah, <laughs> and not even expect something when you just show interest in them mm. with that. That's it. And start with and start there. Mm. And then things can snowball because it's, oh, that person's just interested in me. So that's, it's, it's funny, but it's also, it's relieving because mm. so much you feel like, oh, I've got to get in touch and I've got to advance my career and this and that. And then you realize, oh, the whole way along, I can just be myself. It would actually be the most effective, which is not, not easy, especially mm. today because the environment we're in, there's always uh, shiny objects dangling. So it's not always like easy, but it's I like as often as you can be reminded of that, I think it's powerful. But yeah, I think the general call to action is like the G word, like genuine just makes things flow and it's effortless because you just be yourself. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And I liked what you said there about like how you do anything is how you do everything. I've oh, heard yeah. that before. And I think that is just, is really key because I've heard like this one podcast where I first heard that many years ago now, the guy was saying like, when you go to the toilet, like, yeah, love you know, it. Yeah. How do you like That's leave the bathroom when you've finished in there? Do you make sure it's all like cleaner than when you left it? How do you like go wash the dishes? Do you do a good job or do you just do them good enough? So the next person will have to deal with your problem. All these kinds of things are like, it's not just going to be a once off thing. Someone that cleans their dishes really well is probably also going to do or other things in their life like really well. And so I think that's super important because it's something now that I like watch out for when I'm doing like even menial tasks, like 
how am oh, I doing wow. this? Because <laughs> this is reflective of like how I'm going to do things like at, at work or like how am I going to, you, wow. you know, complete a project because there might be little things that you just, oh, I don't need to do that because oh, that's fine. I'll just skip that bit. But it's putting things away in the right place. Are we going to, when you finish a project, are you going to check what it is like a few times before you send it off? That there's no spelling errors and make sure like everything's in the exact right place. Things like that. Just doing like that one, two percent extra in every little thing adds like a lot to everything that you do, I think. So yeah, I like, I'm a big fan of that. Yeah, well, that's a great thought. You've prompted me to rethink that for myself and get better at it. So thank mm. you. <laughs> Sweet. Be paying attention to everything. Obviously, you can't think of it all the time, but I think there's absolutely. But it's a it's a, a very good frame. It's a very good frame. And even if someone listened to this and did that for the next day, that's a very positive. Because mm. I I do feel like all these positive attitudes, if you want, or approaches, mm. like you, you're, I'm going to do more of that, and you don't always follow through. But I think over time, they all kind of sink in and they all add up. Mm. Yeah, and totally. Long term, long term trend is trending towards being being better. Yeah, in that mm. way. So it's a, it, honestly a really great attitude. I think. I, know, I definitely agree. So let's go back to your book now. Let's talk about you've got. Mm. This is like quite a unique concept. I haven't heard of a book written like this before, where you've got like sometimes there's like the one author and then there's a couple of guys that like do like the four words. So there's three authors on the front or whatever. But this is yeah. not that. This yeah. is there's. I think you have eight different people that yeah. have each written a section of the book. Tell us about yeah. how that came about. Yeah. And we, I guess Scott is my high school friend who ended up doing, we did like nonprofit work together and then he did his own startup espresso, mm. which is a great up and coming Aussie company. And we like have always been interested in education from starting to do our own self-directed, very self-directed projects, like things we're choosing for ourselves to do. And we just found, wow, we learned so much. There are great places to learn. You get a lot. We both went to uni. He loved uni. I don't have the best time, but you mm. undoubtedly still learn things. But I think the most effective ways to learn, especially in this day and age where you can create things easily, more easily than ever before, mm. is projects and picking your own challenges to do. And I guess our mission together is to try and help catalyze that approach to education and making it more accessible because there's a lot of pieces to pull together, mm. but it's logistically easier. So it's not packaged up for people is, is the problem. Like your podcast, you have to decide to do it. Then you have to find the guests. You have to figure out how to do it. And you just at the start, mm. you're right. So yeah. how do you package it up, make it easier? That was the inspiration for the book. So we cared about education. We'll theme the book around like something useful for young people when they're leaving high school. Cause that's like a pretty big social problem. Mm. But yeah. We wanted to make it a learning experience for us and the co-authors. Mm. And I wanted to learn myself. It's the first book I've published and will be self-published. And I wanted to learn like, all right, how do I do this self-publishing thing? What's involved? I really didn't know. I've been writing stuff for ages and I was like, oh, this is good for me too. Yeah. And we just found basically friends literally just people we knew who we thought, yeah, they'd be interested in doing this. Mm -hmm. People were just intentional or young people or young Australians. Like if I'd known you a year ago, I might've asked you, mm. for example, maybe in the future. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it was literally like that, just like showing you like, yeah, really anyone can do it. And then 18 and lost. So it's about obviously that awkward journey after leaving high school. Most people mm. have a lot of it, a lot of challenges or things to think about and process, even if you get through it unscathed, but it seems like everyone goes through a bit of something at that time and kind of big problem to be, we 
are not very good at ferrying people across from the high school environment to like the rest of the world they're in. We, we really let them swim across a very choppy yeah. waters and just see who survives. <laughs> it's just not the kind of the world I want to live no. in. Yeah. So that's probably the, the broader ambition is, all right, what's good for that? Sharing people's stories, like eight very different people. And there's a surprise ninth as well. All those different stories and getting them shared gives you like, oh, wow, that's what it was like for those people. Because you can't summarize everyone's experience. There's no one experience or one way of doing things. But mm. by giving eight or nine different examples, we thought that can help. Maybe it'll resonate with someone. Like one of those stories will resonate. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, I felt that way too, for example. Mm. And it's not just me. Because we don't talk about things like that in depth very often. Mm. So I wrote about leaving high school, my struggles at university, not really pursuing the things I was actually interested in, but trying to take a safe road and how that felt. And I called it like six out of 10 life, like not so bad that you make a change, but not so good that yeah. you're enjoying things. You're just really riding the middle. Mm. And yeah. And, and to be honest, like a lot of my family wouldn't, or and friends wouldn't know that stuff until they read it. Yeah. Cause like, it doesn't really come up. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and that's the thing. That's why we wanted to take a storytelling approach. But yeah, ultimately like the concept was pretty cool. We're pretty proud of it. Cause it was like, we gave everyone like five weeks to write their chapter and mm. that created the accountability to get through writing a book. Mm. So we s reduced the workload cause you just got to deliver one chapter. It was their stories, which for, for most people was pretty intimidating. I think the, the group really helps with the follow through. Cause like when you got to do things and other people are relying on you, it creates way more incentive. If it's just me on my own, if I don't do this, no one's going to, mm. no one's going to mind as books often are. And yeah. Yeah. The writing, I believe the writing, very proud of everyone's chapters. So I really, it's one of the things I care about a lot is helping more people learn what they're capable of through, through writing. Book's a good one because it's very tangible. I did this and I became an author. So it's a really great journey to go on. And I'm very, encourage as many kind of, especially young people to take up that challenge or, and we're trying to facilitate it in our work too, like more people doing this sort of stuff. For sure. Is it, so with the book, were there any key themes between people leaving high school, leaving uni, whatever it is? Because obviously, yeah, like you said, it's a very choppy time, right? Leaving high school, you've got to pick one thing to do, <laughs> which is like yeah. almost everyone is like, I've got no idea. What are some yep. key themes from the book and, and even the common problems that people had and how do yep. they go about dealing with those? Yeah. Great question. I, in the, towards the conclusion, I unpack the five big ones I noticed, but I, I also encourage, I'd love to hear like when people read it, what things they picked up that I didn't pick up. But one of the things, one of the key things was that the people who are not super true to like their, maybe their intuition, which is, this is what I feel like I should be doing, like what their real interests are at that time and things like that. The authors that didn't follow those kind of key interests look like they struggled a bit, mm. like really like an emotional psycho somewhat psychological level. For example, me wanted to be a filmmaker, ended up studying psychology, didn't do much film. Cause I was like, just lacked confidence and lacked, I don't know, didn't know how to go be proactive about getting experience and always, yeah, lots of reasons. And I didn't feel great at that time. Cause there's a gap between what I felt like I should be doing and what I was actually doing with my time. Mm. 
So when that happens, you kind of like, it's normally, normally you don't feel great. Whereas say someone like uh, Scott, whose, whose story is in there. Yeah. The best thing for him, he realized was probably to start with engineering. And he really made that choice himself. Whereas I was looking for a safer path. Mm. So that there's kind of some of the stories fall into more, a bit more like Scott's where they chose their way. And some were a bit like mine where this is what I think I should be doing. Mm. Yeah. Not what do I really want to do. Mm. And this is not even the top thing I'd pick to do. Or I picked it for the wrong reason. Like I picked it for an extrinsically motivated reason, which is the motivation comes from outside. It'll impress everyone. If I'm a X, if I'm an engineer or I'm a psychologist, I'll make a lot of money. That's extrinsic, like a reward that comes from outside. Whereas intrinsic is, oh, I'm so into like psychology yeah, or I'm so into engineering or I love the people I'm meeting doing this. That's much more kind of intrinsically derived. Mm. That's the, so that, that was probably like the biggest takeaway. And then I think what other themes, well, the other one, <laughs> the best one is no one predicted what they'd be doing Yeah. <laughs> by the time they were sitting down writing the book. Yeah. Wow. And that includes Jordan was our oldest author. He was uh, 27 and he's got a, he's got a chart. He drew a nice graphic in the book about all the different things he's done. The guys had the most diverse career of any person I've ever seen mm. ever. So he definitely didn't predict what he'd be doing. And even Gabby, who's our youngest author, I think she intended to go on a gap year last year, but COVID. So started studying law and then didn't anticipate becoming author of a book at 18. Mm. So the unpredictability of it is nuts too. Like no one, like I didn't predict I'd end up trying to do entrepreneurial projects. I left school wanting to be a filmmaker. Mm. So no one actually had the clear idea. It's kind of like the big lie. Like you're picking something thinking this is my path and it's unlikely to be your path because most people take some sort of pivot and mm. that's probably the healthy thing. If you take a pivot, because it means you're discovering things mm. that's good. Like you're not growing. If you're not discovering things you didn't anticipate, if you can see everything ahead and that, that's when we learn, that's the age I'm going to get promotion. And that's that like completely linear and no surprises like it feels safe, but it's not really what you want. It's what you think you want. And so actually like not knowing is a bit healthier, but feeling comfortable not knowing is the challenge. Mm. Whereas the people who are like dead set, like lays it in, yeah, I'm just going to do that. And that's all like, I'm going to be a doctor or I'm going to be a whatever. Like they might end up doing it, but I just think you should always have your eyes open to other stuff because you'll learn and you can always keep doing whatever, being a doctor or being a lawyer or being a, a builder or whatever it is, mm -hmm. but discovering new things within that is really what makes it a journey, makes it exciting. And so everyone, the other pattern is probably everyone comes out, like you said, thinking, what do I want to do? And having some anxiety over that. And it's because I guess we put them in an environment where we make them feel like they should know. Mm. That's what our culture is now. Everyone is made to think that they should know. That's actually the problem. Knowing is not actually the problem in my opinion. It's feeling like you think you should know, which is a bit of a mouthful, <laughs> <laughs> is like actually most concerning. And to bring this full circle, I don't, I couldn't tell you one year from now what ventures I'll be involved in, where I'll be at, how much money I have in the bank, 
or any of that. I can't predict it. All the things I'm doing have such open loops. There's so much that could happen. Mm. Some, I don't know, maybe the prime minister will read the book and say, I want you to do this program or I I don't know. Mm. I know, but I don't like, or it could be negative things. It could be like, I don't know, every, all the business stuff and the crashes and I don't know, Mm. but I'm not really worried about it Mm. because I guess I've had enough experiences that have taught me that the worst things that can happen you can't learn so much from and life is actually pretty simple at the end of the day. So everything we try and all the achievements we go for are just like scoring an extra goal, but you're already ahead. It's my philosophy. Mm-hmm. So like, there's actually that not much to be that worried about. Cause I guess I quite, I feel very normally feel very like satisfied with who I am and how I treat people and trying to remember that's actually the most important thing. Not like, where I'm at by 26 or 27 or any of those things, all that kind of nonsense makes it just okay. Makes whatever happens to be pretty okay. Like in the long run. And so that's the difference between someone who's maybe 18 right now and thinking, shit, what am I going to do with my life? Or finishing uni going, shit, what am I going to do with my life? And I'm sitting here thinking, go, ah, I wonder what I'm going to do with my life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <well. laughs> that's a great way to put it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I don't have any more certainty than they do. Mm. Yeah, is is the point. Mm. Yeah, that's really cool. And I think I, I like what you're saying there because I think there's like distinction almost between having like your eyes open and like kind of the light, sw- like the light in your head or whatever switched on, and like you are like seeing yeah. things and you're discovering stuff. And even if that is just in your job or wherever you are in uni, seeing what's out there and going and exploring rather than just this is what I'm doing. That's it. Like and just close yeah. off to all possibility because I think that the world's open and ready for, to be discovered almost. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's much more fun uh, and it makes you much more interesting when you can go out there and, and try stuff and, and you have some passions and interests. Yeah. Definitely. It's probably a bit different as well. Like the generations, so say our parents age, mm. it's just much more different, but we've got a cultural hangover. Mm. It's not necessarily worse. In a lot of instances, they had less choices, maybe definitely less choices on average. Mm-hmm. And so it's just a pick a pathway. If I can go to uni, that's pretty good. Cause that's what normally is going to get you a good job. And so that makes sense. Now it's just so different. The uni stuff is still there, but then you got 500 million other things that like can be done. And the internet changes like what your capabilities are, but there's like a fraction of the awareness there should be about that. Mm. And, you know, and also because of like the way the future is changing, everything like that technology and AI and all those scary buzzwords that are in all the, how all your jobs are going away and all (laughs) that, which change, like things will change and adapt. But I don't think it'll be, I think we'll be at, people will be able to adapt. So I just think that there's a real opportunity now to approach it as a discovery period, not like a feel successful and safe mm. as quickly as possible period. Cause that is constraining, mm. which I don't find that healthy. And there's definitely like a broader set of possibilities, but obviously that can be intimidating. Mm. That can be overwhelming. And so it's not like it's hard to come up with a linear Seth Seth's endorsement, you know, that he wrote the, this blurb on the back of the book, mm. I'll read it to you. The big lie is that people have figured out their future. In this powerful and honest book, you'll discover that it's a journey, not a plan, and that you can lean into the possibilities that lie ahead. I just think that's just so well put. Mm. Like, that's a great quote on its own. 
irrespective of the book. It's a journey, not a plan. Like at the end of the day, I've, I always say like, when I look back, I measure like my quality of life in stories. Yeah. Obviously not money because in the end, there'll be an end. I don't know when, and I won't be counting like how many dollars I've got in the bank or things like that. But what really is like the best currency is just having all these stories and all this cool shit that you look back, like you look back and did. And obviously having enough money to eat and, and do stuff and reinvest into other things is like pretty, pretty good too along the way. Mm. But it's just, it's part of that picture. And so I'm writing a book, which is my life, but just forwards. Yeah. That makes sense. Like a story has got to be interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's so cool. And I like what you, you touched on it briefly there about you're going to die someday. So you want to have these stories that, that you have to tell. And I think, yeah, that's something that, that I think about often too. And I think when you think about like, I was listening to this in, in a book actually the other day, it was called the comfort crisis. So it's about this guy who, Oh, that's a great title of a book. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So what he does, this guy, he's does the, this massive challenge where he pretty much goes into the forest with two of his hunting friends with like, like some snacks and like heaps of like luggage and tents and whatever. And they, their mission is just to go out there and like hunt like an animal. I think it's, they call um, it a caribou. Yeah. I don't really know what that is. I'm guessing it's like similar to a deer. But Everything's similar to a deer. Yeah. That gets hunted. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, go out and get this thing and then and bring yeah. it back and eat, eat that is like they're pretty much their sole source of food. And then, and then uh, come back after a month. Very interesting book. But one of the things he was saying was these cultures, I think that's actually a country in, I think they have like quite a low, like wealth GDP kind of index, but they're one of the happiest countries in the world. And one of the theories around the reason why is because yep. they get mm. taught about this idea of death, primary school, uh, yeah. high school, that they yeah. just get reminded that you're going to die. So like some yep. people, this particular country, he was saying they really focus on it. So they have a plan for where they want to die, mm. what's it going to look like. And they've really considered it in great depth. Wow. Whereas... So some people maybe in the Western world get right to the end and then they're like, oh, that's what happened. I've ended up here. And so I think it's so key to record. consider that because I think whether it's what career you're going to choose, who are you going to seek out, what kind of things you can, what are you going to spend your time doing? If you reflect on that, you're plan out your life and you're going to die someday, that there is actually some kind of urgency to doing these things. They're not just going to happen themselves. I think that brings a lot of clarity and especially what you're saying about like the, um, extrinsic and intrinsic motivations. I, I like, I think some of the extrinsic ones might start to fade away a little bit when you realize death strips them back. Yeah. Death strips them back completely. My, I don't know if you've heard this, but my favorite question is what would you do if you had five years to live? What would you do differently? Like, how would you live differently? It's mm. my favorite question. Not everyone always asks if you had a day to live. Yeah. Okay. Obviously I'd say hi mm. to James, tell my mum I love her, yeah. go to the beach, have a party, like yeah. it's too easy. Mm. But when it's five years, you still got like finances to manage and ration out over that time. And, but it's so close. You can't ignore it mm. too. And you got time to do something like meaningful. That'll probably impact things after you're gone. Cause you'll be very conscious of the fact that you're going to be gone. Mm. And it sounds a little morbid. But I, I think it's actually the opposite. I think it's morbid to what we do in the West is put death out of the picture mm. and deny it exists. We live, most people are living as if they're never going to die. Mm. That's, that's like when I look around, most people in the West living as if they're never going to die. 
their behavior doesn't make sense to me considering that they'll be dead one day, which is struggling for 10 years just to get a, a mortgage. If that's an, if that's an eighth of your life or a 10th of your life, mm. and that was the only thing you got towards in that time at expense of like everything else that's good about life. But that five year question, like everyone I've asked, like it just strips back all the extrinsic stuff. Mm. Cause you're not worried about how people are going to look at you. Everything about human nature is about constraining attention to something. That's like, we have finite attention. And so why so many people struggle, even though this is logical, is that in the world we're in the environment we're in, like all the shiny objects and everything, just, it sucks our attention into that. In the same way, social media will always direct your attention to what's in your feed, even though I don't want to just be scrolling my phone right now. Mm -hmm. So there's, we don't have that discipline is like really hard. If you want to apply it to everything you're looking at all the time, it's again, like, oh no, 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 remind myself, don't think about that. Don't think about that. And so obviously death is just like everything else, which is it constrains your focus, but it probably constrains your focus better because it's the reality. Mm -hmm. Death is the reality that we'll have to face at some point. Yeah. You can't lie about that. Mm -hmm. And anything contrary is actually the big kind of fluff ball. Like that's like the distraction. So, yeah, I think that I've heard that sort of story about the different cultures that do actually centralize it and normalize it mm. and, and make it like, yeah, okay, this is the constraint. These are the constraints. So what are you going to do? And it just changes everything. That question for me just changes everything. Mm. And this podcast geared towards career and probably when we talked about networking today, it absolutely impacts how you think about those things. It absolutely impacts how you think about those things. Because you think about, oh, I'm not going to focus on doing everything in a transactional way if, I'll, if I won't be here in five years. I, I wanna, you, wanna, you want that journey to like be meaningful and you want it to like be worthwhile, good relationships that you work with. And you don't have, also, you don't have time for people who are not that. Yeah. Two, oh, I just want to hang out with this person because they can get me this or that. And you don't have time for that because you're gone in five years. So I, I try to remind myself of that question, like as often as possible, because it is a massive release. Mm -hmm. It's just a massive release. Even thinking about it again now, thank you for prompting me, yeah. like <laughs> unintentionally, but everything, I got, like launching a book at the moment, all these things. And I just, right now, I just, it's calming. It's, it's so fascinating. And yeah, it's definitely like missing from Western culture in a big way. We don't, it's, it's not normally in the career guidance books and all that sort of stuff and high school and yeah, but I, I have a feeling like in the coming decades, it, it might, because things are going to change so much with technology and the world and the digital world and crypto and all these things, just going to shift things around so much flying cars and yeah. it's coming <laughs> and, and, and it's coming. And so that's going to force us to rethink the way we do a lot of things. So it will be fascinating to see. It, it, how big those changes might be. Yeah. Yeah. No, totally. Totally. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's super cool. All right. And the last question for you today, Joe, is if yep. you were going to graduate university again, or maybe even start wow. university, you can choose. Uh, yep. What's your one piece of advice? Yeah. Wow. <clears throat> it's like the question we asked a lot around the book is what advice you'd give your 18 year old self. Mm. And I think I can say the same thing to both the version of me starting university and the version of me ending university. Make the most of it. Mm. Don't settle for any less. 
Yeah, I like that. Because even leaving, like whatever's coming next, and that's a big focus on what you have again, make the most of it. Mm. Whatever you can access and start with, make the most of it. And if it was at university, I didn't make the most of it. Like I wish I could go back and not really, because I learned a lot, which has applied, made me more focused in life after and make the most of it. I think that's it. Good question. Yeah, <laughs> perfect. But yeah, thanks so much, Joe, for coming on today. It's a fantastic conversation. Much appreciated. Uh, no. So if people are going to come and find you on social media, purchase your book, uh, all that stuff, where's the best place? Yeah, I'm someone with many internet links, so I'm always very careful with this. I'll concentrate on the book. It's 18andlost.com.au and is just A-N-D. And that's, yeah, that's just the best place with everything to do with the book. And that's a good kind of uh, door open at everything that I'm involved in and working on. And then I guess, you know, other than that, I have a website and I have a podcast. They've both got the same name with Joe Weeby. And my last name is W-E-H-B-E for Weeby. And yeah, podcast and that name and a website there if people want to land there, which has links to any social things too. So yeah. I'd, I'd concentrate on those because it's easy. To, I'm not very good at consolidating at all. Thanks so much for listening to the episode today. As Joe mentioned, you can visit him at all of those links. They're all in the show notes. So if you want to connect with Joe further, please go there and that's the best place to do that. If you want to connect with Graduate Theory further, the best way to do that is to subscribe to uh, the podcast or whatever platform you're using. And also you can find more information on the website, which is graduatetheory.com. All the links to social media, everything you could possibly want is all in the show notes. So please go there, follow and subscribe, all that stuff. And what would really help as well is if you're listening on Apple or listening on YouTube or wherever you might be, if you could give this show a review or a comment, that would be much appreciated. It really helps the show to grow. So uh, thanks so much for listening today. And I'm really excited to, to see you with the next episode.